Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Pedagogy Matters podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to bring the forth some key topics of conversation in relation to learning and teaching, to discuss, to break down aspects of practice and provide snippets, advice and guidance as how we can integrate, integrate these into our daily practice. Today I am delighted to be joined by Sam Messam, Senior Lecturer in Sports Coaching at the University of Lincoln and today we'll be talking around really challenging conversations. But Sam, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Pleasure to be here. No, thank you for taking the time to come here. And I think it's probably useful to start, Sam. Obviously, you've got, I'm going to say, quite a extensive background. All right, I think so. You've kind of, you're one of the the lucky few, or, or maybe not a lucky few, to t- teach in both FE and HE. Is that right? It, it is indeed. It's it, it wasn't a, a pre-designed pathway. So yeah. I started out wanting to be a coach, plain and simple. I wanted to be a coach, and I guess through that aspiration, I moved into FE and certainly it's the time when you didn't necessarily have to be a qualified teacher you had to have yep. vocational competence so I moved into FE to teach sport coaching and then from there I spent best part of 15 years um, in FE before moving into or I guess transitioning across to HE and then into an HE institution. That's interesting so how long have you been an HE for Sam? So um, in terms of both the mixed economy and the um higher education institution about seven years right okay and i guess yeah put on the spot what do you feel the key differences between the two then in terms of your practice as a as a teacher or a lecturer um that's a really interesting question so in terms of the 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 material and the content that you deliver as somebody that's at the forefront of your of your um area of expertise i don't think there's i don't think there's much difference there but in terms of the expectations that are placed upon you as a practitioner i I think there's some considerable difference there so in fe it's more about time and quantity so you know you're under a great amount of pressure to deliver um numerous lectures within a day and within a week so contact hours can be up to 21 22 we're in heichi dependent upon your role the most that you will deliver is around 11, 12, maybe 13 hours of contact. Um, so you have a great deal more time to reflect your expertise, to plan and to deliver at, I guess, a pace that's maybe a little bit more manageable. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I know from speaking to colleagues in, in kind of both sectors or, or, or across both se- uh, sectors, it's often, much like any college, it's very different depending on which institution you're at and there's different approaches, different principles. But I think that's really interesting because... Yeah, I think lecturers go through and it's ups and downs and every day and every week. And it, it, there's often these challenges, but you're right, come back to this first bit, the underlying principles are the same. It's just that different environment, different challenges that we're all facing. And I think now more than ever, those those challenges are, are changing and are exacerbated even more so because of the pandemic and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think in FE, quite often you don't have the time to reflect on your practice. Yeah. And essentially, you know, in any form of practice, without that reflection, we don't have the opportunity to evolve. Um, so, you know, it can become quite stagnant at times and it's difficult to stay ahead of your your expertise or within your, your discipline. Whereas in Haiti, you have that little bit more time. Um, and I certainly enjoy that more time. It allows me to expand and to really think through my um, my field, if you like, yeah. in lots of different ways. No, that's a really interesting perspective. And obviously... I know from a lot of the work I've been doing with Scottish colleges, 
a lot of the colleges have kind of recognised this over the last couple of years are to try and provide a space to encourage and support and, and develop that reflection there as well for le lecturers to reflect and improve their practice. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a circumstance of the, the challenging climate and sector and funding and finance and so on. And if, we, if we go down that path, we'll be here all day talking about yes. that. I think. So I guess, no, I think it's really important to have that context as well and that awareness. And yeah, I know kind of colleagues who listen to this will be yeah reflecting that will resonate with some or quite a few there as well so anyway let's get back to the topic so today we'll be talking around the principles or kind of challenging conversations and I think for the listeners will be interested in kind of have a bit of context um provided by you if you don't mind Sam as to kind of where this we'll say this topic came from or, or kind of where it arose because uh, I think a brief bit of context there obviously through a mutual contact suggest kind of we have this conversation around this topic you know so i think it's really interesting and a hot topic but yeah so over to you in terms okay. of difficult conversations and tell us a bit about that thank you so i think to start with i i'd like to note that it's probably uh, born out of two very specific points of origin yeah so within a lot of my teaching i talk about um coaching philosophies and how that shapes our practice and the the void if you like between the two is that self-awareness, understanding exactly how one informs the other. Yep. So I've always had that at the back of my mind. And I, you know, as well as teaching it, I try to act upon it myself and really reflect on my own practice. And then the second bit was, and I guess really it's thinking, thinking about, I'm going to say the re-emergence because the Black Lives Matters movement has been around for 20 plus years. Yep. But certainly, you know, um, at the beginning of summer last year, the murder of George Floyd really reignited and sparked a great deal of, um, I'm going to say national, but actually international debate around equality and inclusion. So thinking about coaching practice, I had um, or was asked to have an open and honest conversation about race and how, as a practicing coach, we need to be better at what we do. So we... And, I had a, um, a specific conversation with one particular coach that then led into the same conversation with a number of coaches that yeah. then led into a collective audience. And then I shared the, I guess, the, the the main or the key points from that conversation in a blog post. And essentially, you know, we were talking about five very clear areas. So as a coach, we needed to consider our communication. So how we communicate, the language that we use, our actual practice and the very detail of that practice. Um, we needed to be uh, more empathetic as opposed to sympathetic to the cause and to the issue. Um, and we needed to remove stereotyping from our practice. So we focused around those five key areas, if you like. So it was a challenging conversation for a lot of coaches, but actually that I suppose what was really both interesting and pleasing to see was that coaches were approaching the conversation, wanting to be informed, wanting to move forward and be in a better position to practice with confidence, I guess. So, the, you know, the whole idea of a challenging conversation is, well, it's difficult to, <laughs> for, for use of any other phrase, but it, it sometimes it's very much needed. So as a second example, um, and taking the concepts from that um, honest and open conversation, Within my institution, so within the University of Lincoln, and specifically within the School of Sport and Education, yeah, we wanted to respond to, and I say we as in the the, the staff body, wanted to respond to the, um, the incidents of the previous summer and to show some support for the Black Lives Matters movement. 
But actually, we were unsure what it was that we were doing. We were unsure of our own identity and who yeah. we were as a school and how we supported that cause. So then we set about spending the summer taking some time. So I guess in terms of your original question around difficult conversations, that would be my first underpinning or key principle is to think through and take some time. So and consequently, we did this and we came up with a, a personal tutorial system that would introduce this whole concept and allow us to talk to students about equality and inclusion. But in order to, I guess, instigate this conversation, we wrote a letter in the same vein as I had the conversation with the coaches. So, you know, the, although the methods were um, similar, the, the process was the same. So we had the conversation and we're now through our personal tutorial system starting to engage in debate at the student level. So, yes. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, just come back to, you know, providing the context there for those two, two situations. I think the the common thread there is that clarity of of the space or the clarity of, of the message or the purpose of conversation yes. came from the letter and the conversation with coaches. And again, that's transferable into difficult conversations. People need to know, you know, the analogy I've used quite a bit in kind of my world in the past is, is what the rules of the game is. What, what are we here for? What, what What's the expectations of me or kind of why we're having this conversation? So, sorry, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, no, that's fine. So, and then I guess really thinking through, because then, in each of those tutorial um, sessions, yeah. they themselves represent difficult conversations. Correct. So then we, we wanted to think think about how we frame that conversation. So it goes directly to the point you've just made. Um, and the Harvard Business School have got a, a set of seven principles associated with challenging conversations. So we sort of, I guess, adopted and applied, you know, some yeah. of the thinking there. So our very first starting point was to set realistic goals. So what were we trying to achieve? And that's really the important thing. So we're not trying to create a movement. You know, we're not trying to shift the thinking of students. You know, that, that That's not our role. It was about awareness. So it goes back to my very original point about the gap between philosophy or values and practice. What is our awareness, our self-awareness? You know, do we know what it is that we do and how we contribute to the topic? So we wanted to set realistic goals, you know, so we talked about what the purpose of the tutorial system was, you know, and how we would move that agenda forward. Secondly, we wanted to be honest. Um, so again, as a, as a guiding principle for a difficult or challenging conversation, it's about honesty um, and moving away from assessing or assigning blame and thinking more about, OK, so this is the scenario. This is where we're at. You know, how can we work together to move forward? Um, yeah. and, and, and that was really important because we didn't want, because obviously for some students, the, the, the discussion around inclusion and equality is going to be a difficult one. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be new for some students. Yeah. So we didn't want to make any assumptions, but we didn't want to judge. But we also needed to be honest. And that's a very fine line to walk. No, you're absolutely right. And I think a key word there is the objectivity, isn't it, in, in terms of kind of being objective within that conversation as opposed to being the subjective side of things. Yes, yeah, most definitely. And, you know, obviously within an educational setting, objectivity is, you know, is the bread and butter of everything that we do. And we wanted to retain that within a conversation that could quite easily become more subjective and personal and introduce, you know, biases that maybe didn't have a place in a personal tutorial system. Absolutely. So, again, it's very important. Um, and then we also looked at um, listening. So, and again, in both the 
both the conversations, and I call them both the conversations uh, that I've engaged with, important to that was about listening. So in order to have that challenging conversation, we wanted to promote and encourage debate, but then we wanted to listen. You know, so we didn't want to lecture, we didn't want to direct and shape the thinking. What we wanted to do was to listen. Um, and certainly speaking with um, a number of basketball coaches, sorry, I neglect to say basketball was my sport, a lot of coaches were very uncomfortable to begin with, but then grew in confidence and started to open up and really started to express you know, their fears, their concerns, you know, the, the fact that sometimes they don't see some of the issues in the same way or frame them in the same way as others. But they didn't want that to be perceived as a form of prejudice or, you know, or any of the more sinister thoughts and feelings associated with inclusion and equality. So no, again, it's really important. You're absolutely right there. And I was listening to um, the High Performance podcast yesterday with Kevin Sinfield from Rugby League. Yes. And, um, and he was talking around the importance of empathy for exactly the purpose that you're talking about there, to understand others' views. You can't necessarily change them, but to understand and be able to kind of then inform kind of future conversations. And that's a really interesting podcast, actually, in the episode yesterday. was talking really around a similar frame to this. You know, so that's a really, really interesting kind of point to look at and, and listen to on the on the back of this as well. Sorry, yeah. I'll let you get back to you. No, no, it's fine. And I mean, and that that empathy versus sympathy was a key a, a key point for me in the original conversations. Yeah. Because what 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 a person of colour does not want is sympathy. Correct. Uh, and you know that it, I would argue it's a fine line and understanding that. As a, um, a significant other, a coach, practitioner, a teacher, a lecturer, I can buy into um, a situation, a setting, I can listen, I can understand, but what I don't have to do is offer emotive responses that undermine that experience. I, I, I can't jump into a, another person's lived experience. I think I that's a really it. interesting point. I think that's, that's, that's a really interesting snippet there. And I, again, when we're talking about the transferability of these conversations to, to lecturers with students or to managers with lecturers, that's absolutely prevalent in, in each of those situations as well. You know, we can never put ourselves in the shoes of a other person, but that listening point is, is really fundamental. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I would argue it's at the sharp end of our practice. So you know, as an FE lecturer or a HE lecturer, inviting the students to feel comfortable and confident about expressing themselves and then entering into their world yeah. uh, is a fine line. And we, you know, we want to, we want to share some space, you know, we want to be on a level playing field, but at the same time, I can't jump into their world and experience it because I, I don't look like them. I'm not the same age as them. You know, I, I have a different set of experiences. So it, it is a balancing act, uh, but it's really important that listening underpins all of that in order for us to be successful in that process of drawing out the issue, thinking through the issue and starting to work towards, I don't know, a positive outcome or a new way of doing, depending on the, you know, the, the topic of the conversation. No, and then right. the, the final bit was to be prepared. Um, and it was to be prepared for the conversation not to go the way that you think it's going to go. So again, thinking about the two topics, or oh, sorry, the two contexts that basketball coaches, students, um, at year three or their final year of, of their degree, actually they will have some preconceived ideas of their own. Yep. They'll have their own experiences that will shape their thinking. And what we can't do is anticipate where the conversation will go. Otherwise, that tells us we're not listening. 
So if we've already got a predetermined outcome, then we, we're not listening. So we have to listen in order to allow the conversation to go where it goes, but then we have to manage that conversation and we manage it through empathy. We manage it through through listening and sharing our ideas, I guess through almost taking a and stance. So we understand the circumstance. We understand the contribution of the other department. We understand that that's going on, but actually what can we do to move it to this positive position? And again, it's it's a lot. I suppose it's the art of effective interpersonal communication, which is, you know, as a coach, as a tutor, as a lecturer, you know, we all would like to be able to say we're at the forefront of that. And, you know, we are able to demonstrate that skill. So it is it's it, it's, it's been a real journey for me personally to engage yeah. in those conversations and to have people actually respond in a positive way to see students actually step up. Um, I, I sat in a group meeting just a couple of weeks ago where the students were the ones driving the debate and they were talking about their personal experiences. And some of the students were really open and honest about actually, I've never had to deal with this issue of colour. Mm. You know, I live on the East Coast in a small village and I've never really thought about it. I watch sport, I listen to music, I engage in popular media and I've never really had an opinion either way. And, you know, I, I thank them for that, you know, that expression, that honest expression, because yeah. that's difficult to say. It's difficult to stand there and say, well, actually, I don't know. But uh, I think the, the, the key point, again, when kind of looking at this from a different perspective is what what you've done within your organisation is around a real focus on the culture and the culture of conversation and providing a space for these conversations to take place. And I think so from what you're saying, the reason that's had such a positive impact because of the culture surrounding those conversations has been that safe space, it's been built upon those principles you've alluded to earlier on, and therefore the students are then buying into that process and, and are a lot more self-aware and a lot more content or um, willing to engage within those conversations as well and open and kind of hungry to engage, I think, as well. Is that fair to say? It, certainly. And, and I mean, I, I'll, I'll lean on the, the, the latter part of your, your statement there about that willingness yeah. And I think that's what stands out for me. So it, it is a journey. And, you know, we're only we've only just started. It's baby steps. You know, we haven't actually we haven't really gotten going. There's no real momentum here. But what there is, is a willingness to see where it goes, a willingness to engage, a willingness to be part of the conversation. And um, I was talking to a lady at British Tennis. Um, it was regarding some appointments, a, a board, a, a board member. And we were talking about inclusion and the fact that the chief exec has stood up and said, we're nowhere near and we've got lots to do. And it was in total contrast to what a lot of the statements last summer said. So all the statements last year were, we do this and we do this and we do this. But tennis said, oh, no, we've got a long way to go. And I thought it was a really brave position because then from that, what he's now been able to do is garner willingness, garner interest start to generate some momentum and they've got some really interesting and positive work going on at tennis and i think lots of other organizations could learn from that um, no, you're, you're absolutely right sam and i guess i know when we talked initially about this podcast i was particularly keen around i know from my experience within further education both as a lecturer and as a manager and i think it's probably the same for you is that actually as you alluded to earlier on coming into fe you know you weren't a teacher you're a coach and then you learn to be a teacher alongside it. And again, it's the same for a lot of our sector being two dual professionals. I think having a, a difficult conversation is not easy. And I know a lot of the workforce, both in my experience in the past, I have as well, but also from speaking to colleagues in Scotland, you know, a lot of the workforce in terms of lecturers 
as well as middle managers and sometimes even senior managers struggle at times to have the, the most difficult conversations fundamentally because they're not nice because they are challenging because they are difficult because you don't know what the outcome is going to be yeah. and, and I think it's really important to you know you touched upon before about that reflection space and I think from my experience again of the last 12 months I think a lot of individuals I've worked with have tended to become a lot more reflective, whether that's because of the, the work situation or because of bad or whatever the factors are. And I think it's really important that across the piece of, of, of FE, of HE, of teaching, or, or even most organisations, it's around thinking back to those some of those core principles you talked around in terms of how to have those difficult conversations. Because a lot of businesses, a lot of college, a lot of schools talk about culture, but Cultures lived and breathed. You've got to, you, you, you've got to, um, I'm going to use this phrase again, you've got to live and breathe aspects that you want to embody daily. And that's how then culture grows and develops. And then come back these difficult conversations, to, irrespective of the topic, whether it's performance management or whether it's with students around work not being effective. These fundamental principles, you know, build the, the kind of the, the, the foundations for those conversations to take place. So I think in, in response to to that, if I lean on an example from my time in Effie, I think it'll really bring to life the challenge yeah. of being, I guess, effective within um, challenge, addressing challenging conversations. So where are we? 2004, I think it was, 2003, as the research cross-college research coordinator, I was tasked with moving a body of staff from this FE vocational sort of approach to a more research-informed, stroke research-led sort of practice. And essentially, I introduced this concept of a situated approach. So I wanted the staff to think of themselves as the extenders of knowledge, to be at the forefront of their discipline, and to be of national standing. And that was scary. Yeah. For an FE lecturer, they were absolutely scared of that. And I said, we were talking about personal scholarship. That's all we were talking about. But they were somewhat intimidated by maybe the language. And I joined them in that to begin with. I mean, I'm not suggesting I was removed from that. Um, it was the language. It was the challenge. So we were trying to go for TDAP, essentially. Um, and I think they, a lot of staff felt that they were being forced into something because that was the direction of travel for the college. Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily good for them. So a number of difficult conversations ensued at individual, department and across college regarding continuing professional development and moving that term into a more scholarly language. You know, so we wanted to talk about um, excellence framework. We wanted to talk about the fellowship scheme. We wanted to talk about research. Um, and although we weren't talking about ref quality um, scholarship, we were talking about individual scholarship that we could measure and that we could collate. So there was a so we started off with, as you would do, your, your, your typical um, cross college. We call it tap day, but I think it was called tap day back then, training and development day or something. Um, and we introduced the concept and there was lots of oohs and ahs and frowns and then I spent the next six months going around each of the individual topics, talking at head of school level, all the way down to individuals, trying to get them to 
see that actually we're talking about their development, not about a, a, a direction of travel for the institution, but individual development and the reframing and the reuse of language. Very similar to what we've been talking about, this whole idea of being realistic in our goal setting, being honest and being able to listen. So we spent a lot of time listening um, and there was lots of concerns and worries about what it was that they needed to do, how they, you know, what time would they be given away from their contact yeah. to engage in all these development opportunities with the, with the, that would then position them as an expert in their subject. And actually, what I was saying was, you're already an expert in your subject. We just have to reframe, you know, the context. We have to reframe your, I suppose, the way you project yourself so that we, you know, we can see that. So how do you, how do you disseminate your expertise beyond the classroom? You know, all those sorts of debates and conversations. And I suppose, I guess, at the heart of the example is the fact that that was a, a challenging conversation on multiple levels times numerous individuals. Yeah. But actually, the approach, other than obviously individualized listening and tailoring their needs um, in line with the, the college's direction of travel, it was a very similar conversation each and every time. And it involved those, those four key principles that we talked about that we used, um, not that I knew at the time, but from the Harvard Business School. So this whole idea of realistic, being honest, listening and being prepared. I think it's interesting that there's two other words that kind of come to mind, which we haven't really touched upon, which I think draw into, you know, the broader effect of relationships, but also to have a challenging conversation and for it to have, I'm going to say the desired outcome, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean everybody agreeing, but people understanding the purpose in the context of conversation is trust, you know, because what you're talking about there in terms of taking people on a journey with you, you know, it comes back to elements of culture, but trust has got to be developed over a period of time so that the individuals in that conversation realise it's objective as opposed to being subjective to an individual. You know, so there's got to be that kind of build up of trust as as the teacher, as the lecturer, as the manager, you know, with the individuals having these conversations with. And the second bit is integrity, in which, again, for me, these are core staples around culture and, and different elements. But for me, these principles feed back to the individual having these conversations and having that stature to, to be able to, to be consistent across the board there as well. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that, Sam. Yeah, I think that I would, I would agree. And certainly in terms of the, the whole idea of an outcome, Yeah, I think the outcome for, for me in both, or in fact, in all three examples, really, is about looking forward. Yeah. So, you know, there's no predetermined outcome. Correct. As long as we're looking forward, and we're looking forward with honesty and transparency and integrity in terms of our role as a professional. So, you know, we, you know, we can we can unpack the concept of professional, but I'm pretty confident your listeners will know exactly what that is because yeah. that's, that's part and parcel of being an FE tutor. Um, but I think as long as we've got some idea about where we're trying to get to, and actually it's about moving to a more effective practice, a more efficient understanding of a process or delivery of it, or you know, or, or whatever the, the conversation is about, then I think that that is what will drive the entire yeah. um, success of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And come back to your first principle, which was around the importance of self-awareness, or, or kind of that's a purpose of kind of that underpins these, you know, I think trust has kind of got to be key for that as well. So you say, again, it's not a, yeah. a personal attack on somebody. It's not, I'm, I'm trying to raise your self-awareness because to just to draw back to what you said there, to move forward. 
you know, and that's for managers as well. That's for teachers as well who are doing this with students. It's important for us to be self-aware. And like I say, much like yourself, I can be critical of myself as a teacher and as a manager around actually aspects I could have done a lot better. But you only know what you know. And, and for me, these principles hopefully give people something to reflect upon and kind of to, to, to base their reflection on and, and can inform their future practice. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you, you can turn to any source for some guidance, but essentially all that guidance is there for is to try to shape your own thinking because yeah. everything's contextual, isn't it? So as a, I know, as a senior lecturer in further education in the middle of Scotland, you might you might have a specific discipline and a specific Absolutely. focus that really shapes your practice. But actually, do you have the time to reflect on that practice? Um, and then enter into a difficult conversation to improve your practice yeah. or to develop your professional um, understanding of your practice or to engage with a, a wider audience. So looking at moving from levels four and five to six and seven. Yeah. Now, all of those things present some form of challenge for that individual. So how you frame, I suppose, your approach and your listening is dictated by your context. But then also, as you quite rightly pointed out, by your ability to be self-aware, to be open and honest about where you are, where you want to be and how it is that you're going to get there, I think, which I know sounds like a bit of a cliche, but, you no, know, but I think it's fundamental. Well, I think cliches are there for a reason as well. Let's not go down that path either. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Most of the long cliches are true. But I think, yeah, it's important just to recap those key points you know, that you kind of alluded to earlier on was kind of around the importance of self-awareness, but really on both sides of the fence. Now, that's kind of what we... Think it's important but also where we want to get to through these difficult conversations take some time you know and think through the broader conversation that's kind of what you said before yeah consider consider how we frame the conversation obviously bearing in mind the kind of principles from harvard business school and some of the key ones that jumped out for me were you know around the raising or sorry, realistic goals the raising the awareness the honesty the objectivity but i'm going to say i don't want to say most importantly but i'm going to say very important is the listening because yes. you're absolutely right that's the key bit that'll help elements move forward and it's not about having a predetermined outcome and yes we may have an internal college process that we must follow but what that, that doesn't have to have a rigid fixed outcome based on every individual conversation yes there's a, a form that'll fill in but we're, we're trying to develop people here depending on whatever the conversation is but also final two points like you said Effective interpersonal communication are, are fundamental, you know, clear and direct information instructions. But finally, and this is probably something that new managers don't get told enough, is be prepared for the conversation to go south. You know, or, or maybe new managers don't think. Now, self-criticism myself, I used to manage some, actually, colleagues that taught me, you know, believe it or not, and, and I'd have some difficult conversations, and maybe I was too naive, but... I hadn't, in some cases, prepared for some of those conversations to go south. And it's really important just to have an awareness of, and that was me being a young and naive manager, but have an awareness of, of all the different permutations just so you're prepared, I think is a, the fundamental point there as well. Is that right, Sam? Yeah, I mean, I, I would certainly, I think you're absolutely right to underline listening. And then I think that, you know, that no predetermined outcome, yeah. the, you know, and being prepared for it to go in completely opposite direction to where you think it was going is fundamental. And I'll be honest, I learned that from my wife. My wife's a police officer. <laughs> and she has difficult conversations yeah. every single day. Yeah, yeah. She's a really good communicator. And she actually taught me, I mean, just a very simple thing. She would watch me whilst I coach. 
and then would say to me, do you know what you look like? Right, okay. I have an angry face. You see, so now all of a sudden, I, I, you know, I am very much focused on my physical appearance, i.e., my yeah. gestures and you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the shape of my smile, etc. Because that in itself is a form of communication that can detract from that conversation and take it in a different direction. And then we, you know, as the person engaging in that conversation, we could do exactly the same. We can have, or we can make assumptions about a student's um, posture. Yeah. You know, their appearance, the way looking at their feet as opposed to eye contact. And then that takes us in another direction. So, you know, it's multifaceted and we could go on for hours about the whole concept of communication. But I think you're absolutely right. Listening and not really deciding where the conversation goes till it gets there. The other two, I, I think I would lean on as the most important elements. No, I think you're right then. And again, whether we can go down a different path, you just kind of... You, it kind of reminded me of a book I read around behaviour management. And again, I'm not going to go into in depth, but it was called When the Adults Change, Everything Changes. And it's about how you hold yourself, how you challenge those learners, how you challenge that one learner. You're absolutely right in terms of body language, verbal cues, non-verbal cues, all the different elements. And again, they're the same within conversations, challenging and unchallenging. You're absolutely right for, for again, individuals on both sides of the fence. That's what I haven't really touched upon in this conversation. But again, it's it's fascinating around the different intricacies of, of, of elements of behaviour that can impact then on subsequent conversa conversations. Yeah. I mean, like the, the nature of a challenging conversation, it seeks some form of change, doesn't it? You yeah. know, it's, it's either a behavioural change or a, a, a logistical change or, or, or positional change, whatever it is. Absolutely and right. change in itself is difficult to come to terms with. You know? But if we can embrace that, then I think you know, it makes the whole conversation a great deal easier. No, and I think that's a great point to finish on. Well, Sam, it's been really fascinating talking to you, and hopefully, listeners have kind of picked up quite a lot of the transferable elements from some of the great you've great work you've done as a coach, as a lecturer, but also how they can then feed into the wider world and kind of whatever their role is within education. So, Sam, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I wish you the best of luck for the rest of this year. Thank you. Really enjoyed your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sam.